Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast, our second effort uh, to do this. This is uh, Daryl. I'm, I'm here with our leadership team. Uh, Joni is here and Sarah is here. And Terry is joining us by phone. So if she sounds like she's in a tin can, that would be why. Uh, we're going to uh, be talking about a few things today. I have to leave because I am currently taking this mandatory training uh, called the Heart of Coaching. So I'm, I'm on my break, uh, and Joni and Sarah are laughing at me as if that's, <laughs> that's some sort of bad thing. But anyway, I'm going over there, and I'm learning many good things, and so I'm glad to do that. But I don't get to, I don't get to participate in this whole thing. But there are going to be great topics here, uh, and I promise I'll be able to be here for the entire thing later. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. <laughs> we'll see how it all goes. And, and I, what I think I really like, I, re- I think I really like the opportunity to, to try to have Sarah control her laughter and not, and not laugh, try to have her hold it back. But we're going to, in, in all seriousness, we're going to talk about serious things here, uh, but uh, we're going to have a lot of fun. So I want you to listen and, uh, I, and, and know how much I appreciate these guys and the work that they do. And uh, anything else you guys have for me before I go back to my important training? All right. Thank you very much. It's great talking to you. You'll hear much more from me on the next podcast. Thank you, everybody. Kicking off our second podcast episode, we were able to have Bill Bott with Change and Innovations with us last time and um, helped us tee up some conversation about the call center and the great uh, work that was going into the implementation and the rollout and really the capacity crisis in Missouri. And so, you know, we've been really fortunate to have meetings with our circuit managers and supervisors throughout the state on some of these uh, topics from all program lines. And so I'm not sure, you know, Joni, if you've heard anything uh, coming out of those conversations um, or reported on our 10 a.m. Monday calls that you think would be, you know, really showing how we're transitioning as a state. Well, and I think that that's helpful to kind of address during this podcast, because I've heard great feedback for those circuits that have used it. I think part of its habit, just like with anything you do in life, it's just getting into a new process and the habit of using it. But everybody that has been really intentional about using it has had great feedback. And I don't know if there were any strategies that um, you saw, because you were on site when it, it was like the slow rollout at the beginning um, strategies that you'd heard or maybe have had, you've had the opportunity to kind of talk with more circuits about it than I have, that of utilizing how they get in that habit, how they dedicate time or, or add that process into their thinking. Really, you know, the ones we've seen the most success with so far, the circuits, are the ones that are having their huddles and using their data that's being sent out. So those are two crucial points of the rollout and making it successful throughout the state is, you know, which groups are having their huddles, really just those quick uh, lightning kind of rounds, touch points, you know, what's happening with the Smith family, what's happening with this family, and walking through where they are uh, just high level at cases and then using the data at all levels, the supervisor level, circuit manager level, and field support manager level checking in on those cases and if there's some that are ready to close just making that call um, really easily just making the call seeing where we're at and um, the other piece that we're hearing is just getting documentation and timely we rolled out those rocket books uh, within the last few months and I'm not sure if Terry has had any feedback on the rocket books and um, maybe how those are being used out in the field thanks Sarah um, I've heard some great feedback on the rocket books 
um, I think we've got several team members who have really embraced the use of those rocket books and are um, figuring out how to um, utilize different forms and creating different types of forms to be able to use with the rocket books. So I think that there's an opportunity for us to really um, utilize those, um, especially on the AC side when we're engaging with families and um, you know we don't want to be ha behind a computer screen, that that's a really great way. Um, and we'll be sending out some more information um, of how our teammates have been utilizing and creating forms for those tools. Yeah, I think that um, that's a great kind of segue, you know, with the with the first podcast we did with and bringing in Bill and his team to look at our capacity in Missouri. And we've done a lot of work and we continue to do a lot of work with his team. Um, the AC and FCS recommendations are kind of what we're going to dive into next. Um, we really wanted to get the call center rolled out before we looked at something beyond that. But even internally, <clears throat> I think a focus over the last year has been how to streamline things for our staff. I know Sarah, you know, with the Rocket Books, put a lot of time. We'd heard great things, had um, team members come to us that, that thought it was a great idea, and that's where that was born, like from team members kind of utilizing it and bringing it to our attention. So. Um, the Rocket Books is an avenue we've tried to, to take to help staff. We've also done a lot of work in the last year, as all of you know, with our own practice model and, and how that's been rolled out to really streamline things for staff, not to take away things that they felt were valuable, but really get into the heart of our work, what's required, and try and streamline that process for everybody. The next podcast is going to dig into that a lot more. And I think walk through that step by step. Terry does a fantastic job connecting those pieces because we really see um, moving to a space of streamlining things, at least on the alternative care side, to have kind of one main case plan that you're going to work from. And right now, um, it may not be quite where we want it to be as far as some duplication as we know with the CS1. But there's continued work to decrease that duplication effort. And you'll hear more of that also at the supervisor conference that's coming up in April um, and, and being able to walk through that and see that. Did I forget anything on that, Terry? No, I think that's perfect, Joni. I think, um, as you indicated, we are continuing to work and revise the tools that were created to be useful. Um, for staff and really help provide that guide to be able to engage with our families and ask great questions. So, um, you know, we're really hopeful that we can provide some additional information in the next podcast to be able to walk everyone through the efforts that are being made to streamline further and to engage with our partners, our court partners, um, to be able to utilize these forms um, and end duplication for our staff. One of the pieces about the supervisor conference that I've heard come up, you know, we just sent the Save the Dates out a couple weeks ago, and um, I think it's Shine Your Light is, is the theme of the conference. We're really excited to bring people together. And one of the concerns that we've heard brought up a few times is, I'm really busy right now. I'm carrying a caseload. Um, it's a really busy time. We're down a few staff in my circuit or, you know, throughout the region. Why is this conference important for me to give up time at the local office to come and, and spend time for three days away from my, the families that I'm serving and the workers that I'm supporting to be able to, you know, be a part of that conference? What, what would you guys say to that? 
I mean, I, I would say a couple different things. One, what we've seen more and more, we know in our work, there's never a good time. Like just putting it out, like there is always kind of the next thing. Um, and there, we don't lack people to help and we all have a servant's heart and we want to do that. And so I view the conferences kind of self-care and professional development. It is vital for people to step out a minute and focus on themselves professionally. And if we waited for a good time, it would never come, right? That we say that personally and professionally. Um, that's kind of how I view it. We, we ran into the same thing at the leadership conference we had in November with circuit managers, and that was the same kind of flavor. And I fear, honestly, wanting to support staff, wanting to be there and not be um, out, but we heard the biggest thing I heard from that was the opportunity to network in person, and you wouldn't have that even virtual. Um, and that was, I think, the most valuable thing that that I heard from that is the opportunity to connect and network. Those would be my two things. I don't know if Terry has anything to add. Yes, I think additionally from um, my perspective is that this is really an opportunity for us to engage with supervisors. Um, to talk about what it means to get back to basics. And we have um, been talking about that for the last couple of years about how do we just get back to doing the work that we're required to do. And so I think this is a prime opportunity for supervisors to step into that vision and to be able to really talk about what it means for their staff um, to get back to basics and how they can support their workers in finding that balance um, with, you know, the policies and the initiatives and things like that and really bringing it back to our focus in supporting families and moving cases through to permanency. I think these are great points. And one of the things that, um, you know, we noticed as a leadership team and it was, you know, reaffirmed by uh, people throughout the state is, Children's Division lacks a supervisor training. I mean, just you get the 40-hour basic training that really is for the whole department that is just how do you kind of be a supervisor one-on-one, 101, more HR issues, but nothing that's specific to being a supervisor at Children's Division, which is vastly different than being a supervisor at FSD or DYS. And so, you know, where where are we at as a division on really preparing our supervisors? And, and what do you think, Joni, we would be able to do to make sure that they're ready for the difficult job that they have? Well, I think this has been a focus that's been on our radar as far as not just with supervisors, although I would say that's probably one of the more critically important trainings to develop, um, but really with several positions in, in children's division, there's not focused, targeted training on what that job is, here's, you know, the expectations, here's how you do it, do it well, et cetera. Um, with supervisor training, they have been working on that for probably, um, there was some transition in the training team and some turnover, so that has gone, um, you know, a bit longer, but really looking at it as what a supervisor needs to know in several kind of buckets, right? Like you have as a supervisor, your administrative tasks, your supporting tasks, your, you know, and what you need to know. And I would say that would roll out and, and hopefully in conjunction with the conference shortly after. Um, but, but in viewing the supervisor conference, even when that training comes out, um, 
hopefully anyway, that will be for ongoing new trainers. This conference, I would hope, is really about what you're going to get in that training, but all at once, hitting all supervisors at the same time. In conjunction with the supervisor training, there are other trainings on our radar. I keep talking about redesigning CWPT because I just think in children's division, training as a whole kind of needs to be overhauled. Like we've changed so much. We know where we're missing the mark. We know where we need to improve that. And there's a lot of focus in doing that for each position, not just supervisors, although it's probably one of the more critically important positions to roll that out quickly. When thinking of, you know, what we get on exit surveys and why people leave the agency at some points, I mean, I think they're, that's one of the topics is they don't feel prepared to do their job. They don't feel supported. They don't really know their role. Um, safety is another issue. Um, and, and just they spend time doing things that they don't think um, that their time should be spent doing, assuring safety of kids. And so I know that there's been a lot of work done around, you know, role clarity and structure to help support that, um, yeah. what all has been happening with that? I think you can't talk about um, kind of where we're at in children's division without at least acknowledging that we have a lot of people working in several different roles outside of necessarily the title that they hold, and we're all guilty of that. That's across the board, and it's not because anybody wants to be. I think it's the need right now, but then you also like have lived in that space so long, it's hard to see past it. I'm guilty of that, where all of a sudden I'll be like, why am I still doing this, you know? Um, so I, I don't think it's anyone's fault, and I don't even think it's intentional. I also think as leaders, anyone that's a leader in the division, like you want to support. You have, again, a servant's heart, and that's what you're going to do. But one, for our own like sanity and um, support to ourselves, it's, it's always moving towards what our role should be. Maybe that's not what the work dictates right now, but it's keeping in mind, what is this role in clarity? Because that is how people are successful, is when you have that clear defined role and expectations. Um, I always equate it to, you know, you can do 10 things at 100%, but no one can do 100 things at 100%. You know, you're gonna, something's gonna fall through the cracks. So I feel like, um, we've spent a lot of time as an exec team based on um, feedback, again, from those exit surveys, feedback we've gotten from our own staff during visits or surveys um, on the need to identify better role clarity so that we can set them up for success and train them correctly. Because right now you have a bunch of people doing a, a ton of different things and they're all important tasks but how do we define that better so someone's successful? Because I see on onboarding surveys all the time, I don't feel like I'm set up for success. And I think that's part of the problem. Yeah, I think, you know, the work is hard enough and um, those pieces, just that role clarity is so important. Uh, you know, I remember being out in the 26th Circuit doing an investigation and um, being asked by law enforcement to go to the home on a meth lab without law enforcement. Um, and people are doing hard things every day. Um, you know, go up to the door, you check this out. And um, just the safety of our team and what that looks like is so important. I mean, the regional directors, circuit managers, field support managers are advocating every day about safety for our team members. And, um, you know, I think I know a lot of work has been going into that proposals legislatively that, um, you know, are 
are, um, you know, being looked at. And also, though, something that we feel that we can get on the ground in a more timely manner is this product called Alert Media. And Alert Media is an app that you would use really on your phone. I mean, so Terry, if you had this um, app on your phone and you went to a home and felt unsafe, something starts to escalate, you can really just hit the button on the phone and you've plugged in where you're going and it would be able to send law enforcement. It's very discreet. So you would press the app before anyone even, um, you know, anybody else in the room, it doesn't send out an alarm or anything like that. So they wouldn't even know that you've pressed the button and law enforcement would be en route to you. And we had a situation just a few weeks ago in the Southwest that um, the worker, we debriefed with her and they have a great support, you know, network there that really wrapped around her. But she felt that she would have had law enforcement response five to 10 minutes en route before uh, in a very rural part of um, the town and, and had them there way before she was able to call them from her house. I mean, Terry, do you think that something like that um, in, in the critical events and things that you've heard of would be a benefit to our staff or help with some of those things on the exit surveys? Yeah, I, I definitely think this is a great opportunity for us to support our staff um, and their safety, especially, you know, when our workers are going out there on a, an initial investigation and may not be aware of the family, but also um, on the alternative care side where we know that maybe a family is very confrontational. And so, Sarah, I guess the question I have for you is, would this be accessible statewide for our staff? Are there any um, barriers to you? Yeah, we are looking at um, actually next week piloting with 10, uh, 10 to 12 team members statewide. So two from each region and then a couple from OHI to really see, you know, what they think of the product, make sure we're going down the right road. And so there, there were some concerns brought up just in the initial meeting that we had with the regional directors and the alert media company, you know, what does it look like if they don't have service? Because we have so many pockets in the state that uh, have really bad telephone reception. And so what is, what, how would this product work in that moment? And what we were told from alert media is that once they, so there's a timer. So say you're gonna go to a house and you think that it'll be, you'll be there for an hour and you don't come back and check in on the app in that hour, we'll design it to send an alert to someone um, to be that you didn't check back in. So maybe that alert doesn't go to law enforcement directly because it hasn't hit the panic button. Maybe it's alerting your supervisor that you're not back in to that area. And then I think, Joni, were they looking at satellite phones potentially as well that we might be able to put this app on that would pick up that reception area? Correct. I think with any technology we look at, we know we're going to have some areas of the state where that's going to be a challenge. But aligning with this, there was uh, it was in GovRex for this fiscal year to for satellite phones for those spaces that we had previously requested from regional directors and their staff where we typically had those problem areas and didn't get service. So based on that feedback, there was a plan developed for, you know, a certain number of satellite phones. My hope would be, um, of course, that right now is in the legislator's hands and we're hoping that that gets approved. And my hope would be once that's approved, if I'll say once instead of if, um, and those those areas would ha be able to take the satellite phone and rely on that method versus the app um, 
in those circumstances where service may be a challenge. And, you know, it might not be the end all be all. I don't think we can ever do enough to make sure our teams are safe. Um, That is the number one priority, you know, keeping kids safe, keeping our teams safe that are doing the hard work. Um, But any tool that we can get into their hands um, is one, like you said, one step closer to, um, to that. So, you know, there are a lot of pieces on the horizon that we're really excited about, appreciate, you know, all the support and people that are taking time to pilot these things. Um, Didn't the case, the case aid started off as a pilot as well. Um, it did. Um, and we, we actually were going to, I think, utilize, actually, I think at the beginning, it was going to be the pilot for a year because we did hire staff for those positions. And um, within three months, I think we, they, we had such great feedback. They were such a help that we didn't even complete that pilot. We just decided to expand that. Christy really worked with OA and I don't know all of the categories and process to like define a new position and all that stuff, but they really um, did work together to give us the ability to expand that quickly. It's kind of like pending job class. Again, that's not my, my specialty, but um, what I've heard is that they that they've been really valuable, especially on the alternative care side. We know that there's a lot that goes into that, and I didn't know Terry if you'd heard specific feedback um, from benefiting from case aids on the AC side. Right. I think what I've heard is this has been such a great opportunity for our staff um, to be able to utilize individuals to enter information into the system, whether it be. Um, visits um, that they've supervised and they're entering that information. If there's notes that have been taken during meetings, um, we can utilize our case aids in that way to enter that information. You know, there's a lot of documentation on the alternative care side, unfortunately. And so the more that we can utilize our case aids to assist workers in entering that information to, to be able to provide some of those supports to our staff, the better we're going to be. So I know we've talked about a lot of um, um, different things that are coming down that we're trying to do to support staff. And and certainly if there are other pieces um, that maybe we haven't thought of, we would love to hear your feedback about how we can continue to support staff and build capacity. Um, We look forward to um, our next podcast next month. April is Child Abuse Prevention Month, and so we're gearing up for information and and different initiatives as well to help support staff and to recognize the great work that they're doing. So thank you for participating in this podcast. We hope you find it enjoyable, and if you have any suggestions or thoughts, please feel free to provide to us.